Welcome to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And my name is Nick. Today we will be discussing episode five of the show, titled Contrapasso. While we will not be discussing the next time on preview at the end of the show, we will be spoiling everything through episode five of the series, so please pause and go catch up if you're not current with the show. You can find more episodes of our podcast at westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. Uh, this week we didn't get too much feedback, but a nice gentleman named Alan from the Another Crappy Podcast uh, wrote us a little theme that you heard at the beginning of, beginning of this show. And uh, it's still a little bit of a work in progress, but I like it way more than the stupid garage band thing that I made. So Me too. Your thing was bad. <laughs> it was very bad. This thing is good. <laughs> so we are, we're using that from now on, and thank you very much, Alan. You can check out some of his work at anothercrappypodcast.com. So, on to episode five. Yes. Contrapasso. Yes. Uh, we open up uh, on Ford with Old Bill once again. Yes. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, Nick's going to be so... I was going to text you like a fist bump or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were probably watching around the same time. Yeah, I started right around 9 Yeah, five, yeah. So. I was like 10 minutes after, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I was very excited. Yeah. And then I and then I thought, oh, man, maybe he's in more episodes. And I looked it up on IMDb, and he's not even credited in that episode. He's only credited in the, <laughs> For in the, the first pilot. One. Yeah. Interesting. Was it the pilot of the second episode? That was the pilot. Oh, okay. So maybe they shot more in the pilot. Yeah, well, that's got me excited because I'm kind of like, ooh, maybe he's even, maybe he's in more. And it's yeah. Just, we just don't know. Yeah, I loved that. That... <laughs> Everything about those interactions, the the conversations are are so good, and the the way old Bill is animated, for lack of a better term, is yeah. so cool. Like these weird like jitters and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's a very stilted movement, and you hear a lot of whirring and like cogs turning and stuff like. It's a very mechanical version of the hosts yes. that we do not experience in these new organic ones yeah uh my wet my, like i'm wondering as people are parsing through the whole timeline crap which right, right, i right. don't want to touch on that much today um i'm wondering if he only sounds that way because he hasn't been like main, maintained yeah uh it actually made me wonder if i i wonder why ford chooses old bill to go talk to yeah because clearly and we'll talk about this later he has history with many more of the hosts yeah and especially some of our main characters like yep. dolores and teddy actual history and so there's something about bill that i want to comes back i want to know why yeah if it's the first one ford made by his own hand or even if if bill had a larger role to play in the story than we know so far maybe yeah. he ties into arnold more because as ford says to dolores uh through the at some point in this episode i think midway through uh, when he's talking to her, he says, uh, there there aren't many left who were yeah, there. She, you're, yeah. the, you're the only one left. And Bill presumably was around back then. So yeah. it's kind of cool. It's like he's he's a very nostalgic character, I think, you know, based on the creation of himself, which I, yeah. I still think is probably him as a boy. Yeah. He clearly has a weird fondness for remembering. The past. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, another thing that I found really interesting uh, before we move on from the point, old Bill, his responses kind of clearly show a limitation of yes. programming yeah because uh i and i wish i wrote the dialogue down but anthony hopkins or ford mentioned something about uh would you like to hear the saddest thing that i've ever seen and he says something like i've seen a lot of i've been in yeah i've been in some shootouts in my day <laughs> yeah. Like yeah it's, it's great like, 
And it's like, well, that kind of fits. But well, and, and, and even the look on his face is kind of bemused the whole time. So he's holding his little shot glass like he's waiting for someone to finish a story, and then he just reacts <laughs> he's like, "That's it. a real humdinger of a story." <laughs> it's so awesome. Yeah, I, I love it. It's so great. Uh, I guess the final thing to touch on before we move on, uh, that saddest thing that Ford ever saw was his old greyhound uh, that tore apart a cat. Uh, and then he said he 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 talked about it. He said that the he he got the cat and tore it apart, and then he didn't know what to do with it. Yes. So there's been a few discussions of people going on. What who does that pertain to? Some people think it pertained to Dolores. Dolores is trying to find herself, and maybe ultimately, when she gets it, what is she going to do with it? Um, other people were talking about uh, the Man in Black as well. Obviously, he's on a real cannonball run of sorts to try and find his way to the maze um but then my first reaction to it was like maybe it was arnold trying to create consciousness and ultimately once he gets there he's like okay well i did this what do i do with it now so i think there's a lot of readings into it and i wonder what other people think as well did you have anything that you'd related it to in particular or no i immediately related it to the dark knight because yeah the, the joker has that dog exact chasing a car yep. would know what to do with it when he got a hold of it and that's yep. pretty much exactly what ford says he didn't know what to do when he was done like yeah. he, had, he had he had attained this thing that he had quested after for so long and now he didn't know what um <clears throat> i think i think that's a pretty universal thing i think that's yeah. almost just a just a general statement on people and particularly people who are as driven as as these these types are people who have those those goals those crazy quests and those goals in mind and are always striving and striving and when you finally do achieve the thing that you wanted most do you find a new thing to try to achieve like in a way and i hate to to come back to superhero movies as we so often do but in a way it's kind of like the tony stark non-character arc that we keep getting in movies where he keeps he has some goal that he wants to achieve to make up for something or to to improve something and then there's always like another one of those later he's always yeah. trying he finally might meet that goal but then there's going to be another one you know that kind of thing yeah there's another character like that i'm trying it's, it's right in the back of my mind i can't quite put my finger on it but another character calls them out and says like there's always going to be like and you're just you're not going to stop yeah and i th- i like the idea that the the goal maybe that some character we're we're connected to here is so great that once they achieve it they won't know what they literally will they'll have no purpose yeah and there's another line that uh the man in black has about that about purpose yeah how, about how, how people on the outside their lives are so cushy and they have everything handed to them but they don't have purpose handed to them yep but that's that's another conversation for later anything between ford and old bill is pure gold yeah i want a whole episode of that <laughs> Just little Bill grinning with a whiskey glass. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I do want to know more. I mean, there's got to be, I guess there doesn't have to be. And that that's kind of the, I was about to say there's got to be a reason. And and I'm sure there is a reason, but I think that's kind of one of the pitfalls as a viewer with a show like this, where it seems like everything has meaning and maybe some things just are. And that's probably a little well, naive. Well, the show's even told us that everything has meaning. Yeah. <laughs> in that's a way. It, and that's probably in a way a little naive to say, but I I don't know. It's, but I, it's like, scary when the, the, when a show has this many good mysteries, and all of a sudden, like everything I'm looking at, go, oh, was that? Who's that? Yeah, and then the, and the mean, but the meaning could be something as small as like it was the first one that he made. Yeah, and and there isn't a grander story behind it. Or anything yeah, I, like I that. would I would just write it off if he had only been in the one episode. But now that he's kind of back, I'm curious as to as if why. we'll see more. Yeah, or yeah. if that if that exchange took place 
during just before Bernard got there in the first episode or what? Yeah. So we don't really know. Once again, chronology is is totally suspect here. Yes. All right. Uh, the next scene, we've got Dolores in a sea of graves. Uh, Dolores is hearing voices once again, and she hears someone say, find me. And she says, show me how, uh, while we're flashing back to the church, which I assume we've seen the burned steeple of that Ford visited with the younger version of himself back in episode uh, two or three. Yes. And, he looked um, at it with Bernard as well, didn't he? Yeah, and he, yeah. and he took Bernard there as well. And then uh, it turns out that she's outside uh, Pariah with the gang, you know, Logan. And uh, I find it funny that I, I kept tending towards calling them the gang, and that made me laugh because it's the, it's, it's always sunny. They call themselves. The, oh, yeah. They'll yeah. start with the gang, and there's a McPoyle there's a in McPoyle there. There's a involved. But it uh, turns out in Pariah, we, or we've got the military in town. Uh, some of the park... Uh, it, Logan has a pretty good... There's a big exposition dump here by Logan where he describes that, you know, they're getting further out into the, the further reaches of the park and things back towards the center feel like they're designed by committee, but everything out here is, feels more, like, r- real and, and kind of made to please the the hardcore fans out there, essentially. And but he talks about how um, uh, his company is considering buying out Westworld, and uh, he doesn't know Ar- of Arnold's name, but he knows that one of the founders committed suicide, supposedly, yes, and that sent the park into a free fall. Um, so there was a lot of information there. Did you have anything that you thought about that in particular? It. He mentions one of the two of them. He says it's hard. He can't get a name or a picture or anything. Is he talking about Arnold or Ford? I think he's talking about Arnold. Okay, I thought I think, so too. And yeah. I saw some people online were taking it as he was talking about Ford. I don't think so. I think I think that's the I think the idea of it, like just as we've heard Ford say that Arnold was wiped off the map right. by the board. Uh, I think this illustrates that that was effective. Yes. In, in yeah. In a yeah. Sense. Yeah. I figure that Ford's identity is known, especially if there's negotiations or, or something yeah. preliminary talks of, of some sort of financial takeover, then I'm sure he's aware of Ford. And the one peculiarity about things here is that if he, if he's able to know that there was a founder who killed themselves, why is Bernard blissfully unaware of that? Like that's news to Bernard in episode two or three, whenever that was. Which is, it just seems like a weird detail. I think it's almost more support in favor of the timeline theory. Yeah. That this feels like the park uh, around the time. And again, like you said, you don't want to talk too much about it. But yeah. it's, a f- it's a fun thing to think about and I can't not think about <laughs> it. And I, I, I kind of took that. I was like, well, either... I like. I kind of like to think the show is so well designed and written that Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy knew that people would come up with this theory, and they're having fun giving yeah. giving morsels in either direction. And we just don't know yet exactly what. Because there are a lot of people. I saw a lot of people online. I actually. This is the first. This marks the first episode where I actually did a little bit of reading afterwards. Yeah, Reddit, yeah. Very 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 little. But I was just reading like the post episode discussion thread on Reddit and. Some people were like, this movie debunks it all. Or this, I'm sorry, not this movie, this episode. De- and yeah. I was like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, well, they, that's the thing is that there are many people who are like, oh, this disproves everything. And then somebody's like, oh, this proves everything. And it's it's so interesting that people are just falling yeah, on I, either I, side of this. I would say it doesn't absolutely prove anything, but nothing is disproven about the timeline theory yeah. in this episode. If anything, I think there's more support for it. But I think I one think, of the details is that he does have a lot of knowledge of that, and it feels like it was a more recent event. 
I think because the Westworld seems like in, in the Bernard timeline, it seems like it's prospering. Like it, it doesn't seem like there's any danger of yeah of losing it unless there are. Although the, there is a lot, the, we are feeling heat from the board from Cullen about the narrative and everything like that. So there might be something there, but it's not an overstated. Oh my God, the park is gonna. No, it feels more like standard angry like dissatisfied board like we're rich we want to be richer yeah like make Where's it better our improve it improve it improve yeah. it yeah it doesn't feel like we're we're in dire straits we need an overhaul now yeah well uh and and i should say in between episodes now i have i went on a total upswing back from my this is totally disproved in episode four to <laughs> a more cautiously like oh god it's, this is probably true it's possible it? yeah it and it's really uh, like I, I I've gone through and I would try and go through my notes, but they're all incoherent and stuff. Like I I was basically staying up at like two in the morning on Saturday, like rewatching scenes from all four episodes, trying to like connect the dots and pieces and things. And it's I almost went back to rewatch the first episode. I think the only thing that gets pr- like the only thing that I think I know about that timeline or that that theory at this point is that I don't know that there is any way that they could satisfyingly tie that bow together. Because I feel like there are a lot of instances, particularly there's one in this episode where we see Dolores sees, it's in this scene where uh, Dolores sees this parade walk by and she sees herself in the parade. Mm -hmm. She walks into the parade and we hear Ford saying the, may you have a deep and dreamless slumber. And then she faints. She wakes up and has a scene with Ford. And then she goes back to where Logan is. I feel like that is such a cheat. <laughs> like that there's there's no like it's not even like if if that Ford scene is in the future and everything around it is in the past. I don't think that is uh, satisfying storytelling. No, no. I, I wrote to Joanna Robinson and, and uh, another person who uh, actually started listening to us uh, because we, uh, his name's Jameson. Uh, we were talking back and forth on Twitter on it, and I was like, the, if they're going to make me satisfied with this, the finale needs to be two hours of them sorting out all of Dolores' timelines. Because that's what I would need to see in order to be like, all right, everything matches up. And even though you kind of cheated me out of a few moments, like... The, the the things that I'm seeing where the the moments where I think it's disproved, like in last episode where Dolores is in the Mexican town that I can never remember the name of, and uh, Ashley Stubbs notes that she's off her loop, and then he flags her for behavior, and then a man walks up to her and tries to get her back on her loop, and then William walks out. That that's cheating. <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't think that is. I think you're completely wrong. You think so? I do. I would actually say wrong. Why? It's not cheating. It's just the way the story is being told. I mean, it's it's. It could it could come out badly, and we we're not in a position yet where we can we can yeah. condemn them for it. If they and, if, and yeah, I fully acknowledge. I'm not saying that this is a mistake. I'm saying it's going to have to be damn good. I think that they've in the past told some very elegant stories that could easily be way too complex. And I have, I have faith if again, if the, if the theory is even true, I think they have the ability to pull it together and, and make it make sense, especially considering how the show was postponed. It was delayed in order to address something. We're not yeah. really sure what, 
But I, I would think that there's there's way too much going on and too much at stake uh, for them to just be like, yeah, and just write it off. I think it, it could be, I think it would be pretty mind blowing. And I think it's clever because we're starting to, now that we've heard this theory, we're starting to kind of catch note of these details. Like, like we talked about last week where you said, oh, well, Stubbs said she's off her loop. And I was like, yeah, but maybe she got off her loop more than once. And we're seeing two different timelines happening at the same time. And your mind was like, <laughs> no. And I, I think that and I it, think it, it could by all means not be, not be the case, but I think it's awesome that we're questioning it because these characters, some of them are starting to question their reality. It's like one of the key themes. And we're starting to question what it is that we're even seeing. Like, when is this? And can I, am I even... Who is this in some cases? And and, and what you what narrative you and what timeline that you, the viewer, are piecing together in your own mind is probably not the same as what someone else is. And that's, that's the, the terror that a lot of these characters are dealing with, which I think is amazing. Like, the fact that... None of us are really on the same page with what's going on in the show, I think is really awesome. I, I guess my main thing is that I feel like the kind of quick cutting between Dolores memories that they do does not feel like elegant editing to facilitate this theory. It doesn't feel like an elegant solution. It feels like it's there to disorient and kind of leave that breath in there for you to think about this theory Mm -hmm. but it does not feel consistent and and uh well it it just it does not feel as though it is an elegant nolan twist i think it was and i think it's getting more more hectic with each passing episode yeah i think the transitions are getting more abrupt the scenes are getting shorter and more a little more jarring they're less there's less uh I don't really know how to describe it. We were eased in, eased in and out of them before, and I think that they're intentionally getting much more traumatic in a way. Yeah. Where our even our flow of watching the show is starting to get a little more like during her whole sequence where, um, you, you know, because usually we don't see it either. She goes to bed and then she's talking to somebody, or we don't see what gets her there. But now we're watching her literally faint in the middle of the street, and it's just getting like more more difficult to to even watch. And I think it's by design that we're we're getting shaken about a little bit like this, just like she is. It's kind of putting us in her frame of mind, which is funny because in the same way that William is kind of like buying into it more and more and more and more and like falling more and more in love with her, we are becoming further and further sympathetic towards her and buying into the idea of her consciousness, even though A, it's not really there or is it? And B, (laughs) it's kind of an ex machina situation where like, are, are we... Is Dor- is Dolores even on the level? And there's yeah. more more to come on that later yeah. as well. But I think I think it's great. Like I'm I'm really into the fact that I can't necessarily get comfortable that each episode is increasingly making me. I think it's I think it's very fun right now. I'm just worried. I want to put my noted worry. That's fine. Towards towards and we'll see we'll see where it <laughs> worry, comes out in the your end. noted worry. That's yeah. awesome. I think the the whole parade sequence there was very very. There's a lot of really uh, disorienting imagery in this. And yeah. a lot of very like, it kind of, this is a weird comparison, but again, back to video games. I hate, hate levels in video games that take me into caves. 
<laughs> this is like a oh, I hate that like any game where I'm like oh I have to go like dungeons one thing like a Zelda like any sort of Zelda dungeon like a dungeon but like caves for some reason they're always the worst levels because it's like some slog they're boring to look at you need some special thing to get through it you can't just like you can't see and it's like really disorienting and it's designed to turn you around and kind of put you in a weird place and then when you get out you have this amazing feeling of like oh my god back in fresh air which is probably pretty cool that a video game could make me feel that. Yeah. Like, that sense of dread when I'm going like, oh, shit, another cave. Great. Now <laughs> I'm going to stumble around in the dark and like waste my time. But that's kind of, I'm trying to think of some examples from games, but I really can't. But that's how I feel right now with the show, like especially with some of the scenes later in uh, in like the sort of orgy palace. Like a lot, all of it's so, so disorienting and like kind of gross and kind of gives you like a sort of queasy feeling like you actually physiologically are starting to feel the effects or at least i was and i'm just like ugh, like i can smell the incense and like (laughs) the sweat that's in that place and it just like is so grungy and i think it was really cool that we got we are getting more into this like alarming headspace with a lot of these characters where where they are starting to realize that nothing is what it seems and that they're starting to question everything. And that, that key question that keeps coming up over and over and over and over again, have you, have you ever questioned your reality? That's like constantly in the back of my mind now. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, more, Absolutely. more on that. Yeah. After 10 minutes of talking about a thing we didn't want to go too deep into. <laughs> Well, it affects uh, the show uh, on a whole. Like we're, and talking, no, we're just absolutely. talking about the way that even the, the, the show's cut now. Absolutely. Um, so back, back at Pariah, uh, basically, uh, Logan gave us exposition dump about his company, and then we also learned that in Pariah, there's the Army of New Virginia, also known as the Confederalos, ex-Confederates that refused to surrender after the war. And uh, Logan notes that they're key to the game, uh, the game of war, which sounds like some sort of end game that Logan is aware of. Uh, in the next scene, we cut to Lawrence with the man in black on the road with Teddy. Uh the man in black notes in this con- he has a conversation with Teddy and he says something about or with Lawrence and he says an old friend of me said there's a path for everyone I think he's referring to Dolores in yes. that case um, and he notes that he enjoys Lawrence because there's not a man in the world that would take the tone with me that you do yeah. which I thought was great and There's the, the man in black is so powerful at his foundation that we uh-huh. know he has that there's nobody that will give him any kind of crap but lawrence will do it because he's lawrence and then obviously the young boy potential young ford shows up asking if they're lost and the man in black sends him to go and get some water and in the meantime he kills lawrence and drains him of his blood uh i'm starting to wonder if young boy ford is like a is just a proxy for ford like in, in in terms of like i feel like he's a more Obviously, they've got sensors and all kinds of crap all over this world. They can monitor people with the cameras and everything. But I feel like, like that younger, maybe that younger version of Ford is a way for him to influence things without being seen hmm. in you a know, way. Kind of a watchdog. A little of. bit of a watchdog, but to kind of, but to take note and really get more intimately familiar with things, not just have a high, high level view of what's going on. Hmm. But um, just, that's just kind of a feeling. I don't know. It's still interesting that it seems like a younger Ford. I wonder if we'll ever really know. Uh, any thoughts on more Ed Harris as the man in black? Oh, he's just, he's great. Mm-hmm. That that moment with Lawrence was pretty shocking. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it makes sense. He kill he kills him because he realizes that Teddy is the one more closely affiliated with Wyatt. Yes. And uh, he needs a transfusion. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut back to the body shop. We see Maeve getting repaired once again, and one of the body shop workers. We later uh, uh, learn that his name is Felix. Uh, he notices that Maeve was maybe looking for something in that incision in her side when she found the bullet, mm-hmm. uh, but his idiot of a partner just blows him off and, and tries to freak him out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then also Felix has a dead bird that he's working on coding, um, which I thought was interesting. We can come back to that again later. But uh, then we cut back to the man in black reviving Teddy. He uses Lawrence's blood to do so. And this scene right here wraps up something very interesting about the man in black to me. The man in black knows all of the tricks. He's like, not only does he know that like I can just take anybody's blood and throw it into these guys and get them working again or or kind of revive them and keep them going because he keeps that like he he had a bunch of kissy's blood that he drained out of kissy earlier on that he used that same little satchel to do it with Mm -hmm. so it seems like this is a tactic that he's used before many times and then also on top of that um he uses dolores he mentions dolores as being uh captured by uh wyatt in order to motivate Teddy. And that feels like me <laughs> that feels to me like he's got he's got the speech check perk in Fallout or something. <laughs> it gives him that additional dialogue to be like, I know that you are motivated by Dolores and therefore I can use her to get you moving. Yeah. Which I just thought was fantastic. It was very good. It's a it's a very cool moment. And it was almost like the speech check of like you you have like eighty percent success yeah. chance. Because he even though he doesn't seem sure. And then when he says it, he's like, there he's it is. Like, That's, like, yeah, those were the words. Those are the magic words. <laughs> like, All right, let's get going. Uh, but he does. He, we also get a little bit here where he, uh, he talks about dis, like, dismembering one of the older hosts that were, had a million perfect pieces, but yet he, uh, they've switched over to these organic, more humane, humanity-driven uh, hosts. And he notes that it was because it was more cost effective, which seemed really strange to me. Like I don't understand. We this is in a in a time that we don't really know where technology has gone in terms of organic three D printing or anything like that. Obviously, there's a big suspension of disbelief there. But part of me doesn't understand why a mechanical robot would cost less than an organic one. Like, did that strike you? Because uh, no, I haven't heard anybody talking about this, really. I, I think I, I think I just kind of believed it, or, or bought into it. Just thinking about, you know, during like the title sequence and that, we do kind of see, like you're saying, that everything's kind of three D printed and dipped in some kind of covering that that makes up their skin and that sort yeah. of stuff. And I think that I, I can see how that would probably be cheaper than making like tons and tons of little mechanical parts and making sure they all work in harmony and they're all cut exactly to precision like you know i just think of like the effort of making a watch versus like a digital clock you know yeah and and, yeah i guess that's true also if one of them breaks they can just you know 3d print a new arm on there or something versus like rooting around and finding the tiny gear that's broken and replacing that one and that's true it just seemed really weird to me. It seemed counterintuitive for some reason, but I, I, from the way that you're talking about it, that makes sense to me. 
And maybe in the end it was just, it's, it maybe it was a huge investment to like build the machinery and the resources needed to, to be able to print these guys for lack of a better word. But then that, you know, they, maybe they don't have to like harvest metals and that sort of thing and spend time I, precision cutting them. And I guess the other thing that seems weird to me is that I would feel like the switch to these organic beings would be not only maybe not just financially driven, but also from a narrative sense and, like a psychological sense of making things more real that seems to be more of a point to me than even the money would like i feel like they would drive towards the organic beings like i don't see what advantage the mechanical beings would have over these organic ones yeah i don't think it's a matter of advantage so much as preference like uh the man in black doesn't seem to he seems to think there's really no craftsmanship in in, in the organic in their current case. state yeah. yeah he seemed like he he's the kind of guy that would collect you know old clocks and like typewriters like tom hanks you know (laughs) is it cheaper to build a computer or build a typewriter you know Mm. i don't know yeah or at least maybe that's a bad question but maybe to build a typewriter to the standard to which is needed so maybe building a machine to the standard of you know old bill well old bill seems kind of shitty but maybe (laughs) maybe a slightly better version uh, is, is just more work and, and more maintenance too. Maybe the organic beings, maybe once they're sparked into life through whatever's powering them, uh, maybe that's it. It's just self-sustaining. Maybe they're solar powered. We don't know, but the mechanical yeah. ones probably need some sort of power source and yeah, that's fair. Just, they rust. Who knows? Yeah. Interesting. I think it's a cool point though. It's something they don't need to talk about, but they do. And I yeah. think it's really neat. I, I like the continued like disregard the man in black has for what the park has become. Yeah. He's just completely like, I'm not concerned with any of this. <laughs> I'm shooting for he what I He is on a mission. Yes. That is for sure. Uh, so then we cut to Dolores at night in Pariah. We talked a little, about, a little bit about this earlier. She looks at a body in a coffin and flashes back to some kind of seeming massacre at the church. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I got out of those visions. And Dolores uh, talks to William a little bit about how she, instead of thinking that that line that Ed Harris gave about everyone has their path, she's now thinking, well, I think everybody has many paths instead of one and that they have choices that can change your life, Mm -hmm. which seems like a noted gain of consciousness, essentially. Um, And then William mentions that the real, he mentions the real world to her and Dolores takes note of it while William says something to her to the effect of you're not i thought you weren't supposed to notice things like that she's like why not um but then the day of the dead parade comes into town and uh logan notes that he wants to go to a brothel william protests because of dolores uh logan calls her doll but william asks him not to talk like that because he thinks she's understanding him more than he realizes uh so logan seems to be aware of this consciousness maybe not aware that it's not something that all of them can do, but he thinks maybe they get more than we know they get. And then finally Dolores sees herself in the parade, chases after herself until she gets commanded to sleep by Ford. Uh, any thoughts there? We kind of covered most of it kind of a little bit. I think it could be in a, to go super briefly back to what we were saying earlier. <laughs> I think that the, the audio of her being commanded to sleep by Ford is, taking place in the scene in like the clean room area. And I think maybe she's just fainting at the parade because of some sort of bug. 
I don't think I don't think the voice we're hearing is necessarily corresponding to that scene. If if we're going to subscribe I, to I this feel, theory, I, I feel like for like the, I don't feel like there's any reason to put her to sleep like that if she's in the clean room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't it's know. It's like she's being removed from somewhere, but maybe it's not actually well, being removed from that person. Without, and this is the big thing, without us understanding how or when these interviews are taking place, it, it's really impossible to say. Like yeah. I saw someone float the theory that there's two of them. There's a copy yeah, in storage to do like diagnostics and that sort of stuff. And I'm like, if that's the case, I don't really dig that. I I don't know. It's, yeah, there have been some people theorizing that there are like... Um, wireless uplinks in some terms exactly like even there are some people thinking that there's not even like a second copy that they are just directly wiring like bernard is wiring into her brain to talk to her while she's out in the field and so the the version of them sitting opposite them is not really even there not even necessarily there or even that conversation is necessarily taking place in the room it's just bernard at a desk with a computer and a microphone that's what some people are kind of thinking. I wouldn't be satisfied with that. I wouldn't be satisfied either. But then there's other people that are like, well, you know, it, it seems like there's a physical element there in that room, so maybe there's a copy. I don't necessarily believe in any of those. Well, I think it, yeah, you know. it seems like, too, a lot of the time Bernard has been interviewing them. It's been for diagnostic purposes, and you would think you would need to be looking them in the eye yeah, to, well, to make sure everything's up to snuff. And that's that's kind of the thing. Like We see in those same offices where the stray got brought in after his head got beaten, and clearly that's a physical copy of yeah. the stray. Like, why would that they... That is the one that was out there. Yeah, yeah that's so. true. That seems to... Well, I thought it was interesting in this scene because Dolores has, I think in the entire series so far, has always been clothed when she's talking to people. I don't she, think she's been naked yet. She, she? she was naked in the, in the pilot. She was. Yep. She's, was na- she she's naked to? in the first scene. We don't necessarily know who she's talking to at that point. She's also naked when she's talking to Ashley at the end of that episode. Is she? Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I thought... Okay. She's always clothed when she's talking to Bernard. To Bernard, yeah. Which has some people theorizing that that's, that, that's why Bernard is maybe Arnold. Like, there, there, <laughs> there are rumors that any conversa- one-on-one conversation between Bernard and Dolores is actually Arnold and Dolores back when Arnold was alive. So why would we be seeing Bernard? I guess is the why Bernard or Arnold? <laughs> why are we seeing Bernard like visually? Because some people theorize that Bernard is actually a copy of Arnold. Oh, like a physical clone almost. Interesting. But that's we've seen a picture of Arnold though, haven't we? The theory here. This was from Joanna Robinson. She wrote it up last night. The theory here is that just like Dolores looking at the picture from Lewis Lewis Hertham. Uh-huh. Uh, Abernathy, Peter Abernathy, yeah. uh, says that she doesn't see anything. Maybe Bernard is programmed to see something different in that photo. Oh, it is him looking at the photo, isn't it? Yes. Mm. That is a really cool theory, and I like <laughs> uh, it supports why he's seeing where the consciousness goes and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, that that stuff there is it adds another brick to that wall of like this has to maybe be true, but. Like it, it, the the way that she's writing it all up, she she very interestingly went and watched um, the Prestige this past week hmm. to kind of look into how the Nolan switch and double switches happen to kind of layer in the like okay let's say all of this is true what other twist could they be hiding in terms of like what's actually going on and that's it, her guess it actually ties really heavily into the Prestige the whole idea the whole misdirection and everything yep, that absolutely it's going to give you an answer that's satisfying enough to turn away from the the real illusion yep. that's happening yep huh <laughs> that is interesting 
Is that another thing you wish I didn't tell you? <laughs> no, no, no. That's fair. I mean, the the timeline thing is what blows it all wide open and leaves yeah. everything up to. I I have another theory that I'll talk about later as to if 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 this whole timeline thing comes to pass. Pans out. All right. Yeah, I'll have to come back to it. Um. So then we get to the conversation between Ford and Dolores. Uh, they chant about dreams a little bit and Dolores says they mean nothing where Ford is like, well, it's about what we want to become and all this kind of lofty dream stuff. Um, Ford talks about how his father told him to be satisfied with his lot in light life and that the world owed him nothing. And then he says, so I made my own world, which I thought was very it is good. It's a badass line for Ford to say. And then, um, Ford is asking her if, if she remembers him at all and she can't remember him. And she says that she can't remember Arnold when he asks about Arnold. Uh, he mentions that Arnold created Dolores. And uh, he has this very interesting line that I noted. He says, your mind is a walled garden. Even death cannot reach the flowers blooming there. In terms of like the way that you work is not like the way that the data is being written in their minds, it's still accessible to them. Even after a wipe is kind of what he's mentioning, Yeah, which I find interesting because I noted in our primer of this podcast that in the movie, they even talk about how they don't understand how the hosts work. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought that that kind of harkens back to it of like Ford is even Ford is like, I can't figure out how your mind is operating this way, which I think is, he's the man that created it all like how does he not know (laughs) co-created yeah co-created exactly so maybe maybe arnold was working on a different level yeah it sounds like it it seems it seems like which plays into your theory of old bill being (laughs) uh uh, ford's first one (laughs) but dolores all shitty (laughs) um and then uh Dolores lies about the voices in her head and and, uh, says that she hasn't been in contact with Arnold in 34 years, 42 days, and 7 hours, which happens to be the day that he died and no records of any contact since. And uh, Ford asked her what the last thing that he said to her. She says, he told me I was going to help him to destroy this place. Um, Any thoughts so far? There's a few other points in the... the, um, So then uh, Ford notes... There's no one else left who is there and no one who understands as we understand, which is the line that you spoke about a little bit earlier. And Dolores asks if asks Ford if they're very old friends. Ford says, no, I wouldn't say friends, Dolores. I wouldn't say that at all. Which seemed very disconcerting. Like he's, despite being a man in charge of it all, for some reason he lets this antagonist to him or this person that he seemingly views as an antagonist yeah. Still roam. There's a real there's a real disdain. Yeah. Which is why I asked if she'd been if she'd been naked previously because I felt like it felt very jarring to me. Like I was like Ford Ford will not sit and he like strips her down and kind of like puts her in this somewhat humiliating position when we've seen her clothed in the past or treated I, treated with a little more I don't think it's been since the pilot that we've seen her naked. Yeah, I I'm sure you're right. Now that you're mentioning it, I I I'm sure you're you're right. But yeah. I just thought that was interesting that Ford Ford is very careful about treating them as as creations. Yeah. And then uh, the final note here, Ford leaves the room, but then we hear Dolores say he doesn't know. I didn't tell him anything. Uh, so this seemingly kind of confirms that she's maybe talking to Arnold. 
or something within her. Something certainly. or something acting as Arnold or yeah, something within her. Something programmed in her to seem like some somebody else. And isn't there something about that in the second episode or what's the the term? The bicameral mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like the yeah. It seemed like and and maybe the bicameral mind programming that Bernard or Arnold tried is still in her somewhere and she's accessing it because it's in that walled garden that Ford spoke of. I'm curious why Ford keeps her around if she bothers him so much. I think that's interesting. If it's one of those things where like he just can't help it and there's a little bit more of that to come later in this episode but it's kind of the thing where like supervillains can't help but can't help a monologue. Like you just it's part of your ego and who you are and he just has to keep Dolores around because it's to to scrap her and throw her in the incinerator would be yeah wouldn't be solving the problem yeah anyway um the door the door the dolores talking to herself or to someone within her was really interesting and like kind of blew my like my eyes actually widened and i was like oh shit and i don't even want to talk about it anymore because there's 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 no other stepping stone for me to stand on yeah like i turned onto a different road and it ended already and i'm like shit (laughs) i gotta hack my way through these bushes or just wait for the path (laughs) to become more clear yeah yeah, no, that that was a very interesting scene. Yeah. Um, then we cut to Felix programming the bird. He brings the bird back to life, but it starts glitching, and then his douchey partner walks in and notices the bird and uh, ends up grabbing it, but gets pecked by it or something, bitten by it, whatever happens. Uh, the And then he mentions that the bird in the behavior tablet must have been stolen. Felix mentions that he's, uh, you know, trying to practice, essentially. His partner says that, you know, are you doing this to try and get a promotion? And then uh, the partner says, you're a butcher and that's all you'll ever be. And then uh, we see that Maeve has come back to them once again. Uh, I think we get a little bit more of a glimpse of the Delos org chart, a small another piece of it in terms of like the body shop guys are below the coding people, mm-hmm. which you could have assumed, but... It just seems it seems like there's a stepping stone that like there maybe he thinks that there's a way for him to get up into a further or, or, or a higher position within the coding yes. community. But uh, any thoughts about that? Was this during the scene where he mentioned they must not have caught that in the embryo? Yes. Yeah, they they didn't catch that. Uh, the, the, the personalities test should have caught that in the embryo or in, in the womb. This struck me there have been people saying things about that and it struck me that way too when i watched it the first time of like man they're doing personality like they're are we in that dystopian giver type future i think it was the giver or something like that where people have you seen are being, before i have not uh, i really should but i haven't you definitely should yeah you should anyway but it would be really helpful right now yeah Pause, well, it, pause, <laughs> recording, everyone. We'll be back. we got to go watch Gattaca. Uh, if anyone out there has seen Gattaca and knows what I'm about to say, I'm about to say it so you can write it anyway. Um, one of the main themes of Gattaca is the idea that you can have your children genetically sort of engineered, designed to, yeah. by uh, b- before birth so they can choose a lot of traits about them and they can choose how to treat their DNA so they'll come out a certain way. Yeah. And... Uh, it really struck me as soon as he said that because there's been I know there's been talks uh, amongst other viewers that 
this doesn't necessarily take place on earth even like we everything in terms of the outside world is completely up for speculation i really took it just as a figure of speech to me it just seemed like a like a oh man you should have been weeded out at the first stage well that's that's the way that i took it there was part of me at first that wanted to be like, oh, you know, they're doing personality tests in the womb, man. That's crazy stuff. We're way far in the future. Well, but. maybe not even in the womb. But I think that there's something to be said for the, the, the contrasting personalities of these two guys. One is clearly designed to be a butcher and the other one has higher aspirations. And I think, you know, the, the other guy, the other butcher that we run into, or he's, he's in the among the body shop guys that we run into later in the episode. He's the same kind of primitive type of guy. And uh, the one, the one who Elsie uh, comes and talks yes, to. Yes. Yeah. And I think that Destin, the <laughs> Destin, sure, <laughs> the uh, Destin checks into the show. <laughs> the I don't know. There's just something about it feels kind of hinky that the these guys are, and it could just be like that's the entry level. That's you know that's just, that's what they're qualified to do, and it could be that simple. And maybe Felix just got in, and he just want he aspires to something a little bit, yeah, a little bit greater. But the parallels between. It feels like a parallel between him and I want to say kind of Maeve, kind of Dolores in a way. Like Felix wants to be something that he's not designed, for lack of a better term, to do. He has a job. He has a role, but he wants to do something different, and he's working on breaking out. And I think that the the fact that he's working on a bird is kind of interesting too, trying to like bring Give this, it life. Yeah, give it life, give it wings, and let, it, let this little... I mean, birds are always associated with being caged and, yeah. and being confined. And this thing, you know, the scene at the end when he gets it flying around is pretty cool. And you're like, yeah. oh, wow, he's he's done it. But it, Felix feels like he's kind of supposed to be an analog to, to some of these hosts that they're trying to break out and do something different. Dolores, I guess, in particular. Uh, it harkens back to Ford's dog tearing apart the cat, too. Yeah. And the sense of maybe he'll get to the cutting place and then be so ill-equipped or not know what to do. Or maybe he'll need a new he'll have a new goal or something like that or he won't be able to handle the dealing with the humanity that's going to be looking him in the eye you know he's not he's he's used to treating them like car parts yep and that's why Maeve is so shocking to him and the other guy can just pawn he's like whatever it's you made a mistake it's cool yeah and he's just like he's caught a glimpse of this of the fear and that sort of thing anyway yeah no it's interesting it's interesting I the the personality test commented throw me a bit but i don't know it could be nothing it it could be who knows we don't know uh then we cut to the gang back in pariah they go to meet el lazo uh william asked dolores if she was okay because she seemed weird yesterday dolores notes that she had troubled dreams but she feels more herself um which i think is what some people are latching on to of oh clearly ford was talking to her in her brain and uh yes (laughs) Uh, but then we see that El Lazo is actually Lawrence, who many people are hinging on Lawrence being the absolute proof that there are two timelines. Some people say that he's way too fresh-faced. How is it possible that he's back there again after just dying so recently? But with the way that... like. The way that it's cut together, the two guys in the shop almost make it seem like Maeve's died three times in the same day. That day, yeah. Which which is just maybe a lack of putting any time frame reference in there. Um, but 
to me it seemed very reasonable because they they're very they very purposely like slim gets them to town and uh and and is like you know it's gonna be another day before we can meet with el lazo which seems almost as like uh you know he's currently dead we're working on him kind of thing (laughs) 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 there's notice hung on the wall el lazo was currently dead yeah we're working the host went to go talk to the guy and he's like he's dead right now brb and then you know partner dust but we're working so i i didn't i, take I don't it that i way. think any any allegations of absolute proof are kind of ridiculous in either direction but i do think it's interesting i mean it, again it's it, they know they know what they're doing yeah they know what they're doing they're playing yes they know i think uh, i think it's great Either it could be his loop resetting or it could be a different time i mean maybe we if if it does lend any proof to the two timelines it's proof that one of the characters we're dealing with is the man in black because the man in black seems to have a rich history with Lawrence and yeah. by the end of this episode we're set up with a rollicking adventure with Lawrence yeah he's Very sort true. of the, he's sort of the jack sparrow of this show now <laughs> and uh william is will turner and we're we're about to have a, a swashbuckling good time on a train it's great yeah uh, Logan threatens El Lazo to meet the Confederalos. That doesn't work very well. But then Dolores tries to appeal to Lawrence uh, and and talks about kind of she knows what it's like to be called after for something or to, to want something. And um, Lawrence calls her a lunatic, which I thought was an interesting note as we had that conversation between Ford and Bernard earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he also notes that the Confederalos are also lunatics. And Lawrence wants them to steal nitroglycerin from the Union. And Dolores gets a new outfit. Yep. Palette swap. Yep. Um, any thoughts there? We can just move on to the stagecoach. Uh, William doesn't plan on hurting anybody when they're taking the nitro and, and hopefully just leaving. Um, but Logan, we know Logan's kind of a loose barrel. Uh, William has a great line. A loose barrel. Uh, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah. He's got a screw loose, and he's a what's the, what's that term? Loose cannon. It? Loose cannon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a classic loose barrel. <laughs> it's Monday night. It's been a long day. Yeah, it has. Um, Happy uh, Halloween, everybody. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, we see William kind of very politely dealing with these people. He's like, "If you get down, we won't shoot you. Thank you for your com- for for complying with me. That kind of thing." Uh, Logan's a dick to one of the guys and starts kicking the crap out of him but then the man starts fighting back which leads to a train wreck of a situation Slim shoots a guy then dies Logan or William ends up killing all the rest of them as Logan is being choked out by one of them against the wagon wheel and um, yeah one of my notes here is just this is Logan's jam (laughs) yes (laughs) Logan loves this crap yep um and yeah, the the host choking him was a little. It wasn't alarming to me. Like I knew, I assumed that it could happen because we know that they can be hurt. They just can't yes. be killed. Um, but I found it interesting that like the Samaritan reflex that we've kind of spoken about in the past didn't like kick in for Dolores to shoot him or something like that. It's but true. Who knows? Um, and then the Nitro gets back to Pariah with the gang. Lawrence shows it to the Confederalos and then offers everybody a night of celebration. And Logan convinces the captain of the Confederalos to join them. Um, so <laughs> this next scene has a maybe a whole slew of issues in, of being the whole orgy kind of thing, which we can get into. I felt very, and it wasn't even this isn't even from like a social justice warrior standpoint. 
I felt as though the golden prostitutes were just a complete uh, that pulled me. That would have pulled me out of Westworld because <laughs> I don't feel like I don't. That doesn't feel like something that would have happened at that time. I don't know. I wasn't alive in the 1800s. I never have been to the Old West, but it just seemed like a very weird note. You know? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, Westworld's not. I don't think it ever claims to be reality. You know what I mean? It's not. That's fair. It's not necessarily historically accurate. Plus, uh, says the black hole sun on the player piano. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gold prostitute. Hold on, is that fucking black hole sun? Um, but Logan. Logan seems to know that this town in particular is kind of an Easter egg. That it seems to have spectacular things, and even and there's even weirder shit going on. In yeah, there. I guess that's true. So it's almost like this weird this weird like palace of delights that's that exists beyond some secret golden gates it's like it feels like it kind of defies a lot of the regular rules it's a of little this bit world. it's kind of a tucked away hyper sensualized yeah yeah i guess that that's fair i thought it was funny it just it, it just kind of like took me it took me out of it a little bit um but then we get into uh we we end up changing scenes so anything up to that point we don't quite step into the brothel yet because we cut over to Elsie diagnosing a whiskey pouring error on a well-endowed host, which I thought was a funny that scene. That was funny, yeah. Um, she, goes, she sees the body shop guys taking the stray away for incineration, and um, she ends up heading down into the body shop and shows a video to Destin of him uh, defiling a quote-unquote dead host mm-hmm. for whatever that potentially means. Um, and she leverages that video to find out where the stray is, and she pokes around in the stray and finds a laser in his hand. And then she apparently kind of pulls out this whole uh, laser satellite communication device and goes to show it to Bernard, um, suggesting that somebody has been smuggling data outside of the park. I watched this scene and got so geeked because <laughs> I was like, this is a whole nother level. It's like an X-Files level conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my God. This is another thing where just like Dolores speaking to another hidden voice, I want to talk about it, but I actually don't want to talk nothing, about yeah. it because I want to save it. Yep. Totally. But I, it's very intriguing. I totally agree. I, I'm totally down. For I that. do want to point out that uh, I did not have this theory in mind at all, but that we noted that when the host was, uh, found by her and Stubbs, he's reaching. He's like reaching up into the stars. Yeah, he he's kind. He was like, kind of reaching for the sky, and I, we were saying that it was almost like he was trying to grab, retrieve something. And yeah, we, we were close. He was just aiming something. Yeah, maybe he was beeping. He was trying to get the right triangulation yeah. or <laughs> yeah, something exactly. like that. The, aiming the rabbit ears in the right place to pick <laughs> up the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So then we cut back to the gang and the brothel. Logan and William argue about playing the war game. Uh, Logan reveals to William or reveals to us that William is the executive vice president of their company. Um, but that's as high as he'll ever go. That's as high as he'll yeah. ever go. They have a very, and that's a very interesting exchange. What is Logan's role? Is he the president or is he the a CEO? I don't think we know. He's above. I mean, there's we know, many, we know he's above. There's not many steps above that. So yeah, 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 I don't know. You know, he could, maybe Logan's on the board or something like it. You, it there's room. <laughs> there's room above there. There's yeah. like, there are executive roles that could be up, but we, yeah, we don't quite know as of yet. It see, I guess that he does describe the scene of him walking in and thanking Logan for the opportunity. 
So maybe that maybe that suggests that Logan is the president. I think he's probably like, the president. That's yeah. entirely possible, but I don't think it's been explicitly. Plus, he stated has pretty yet. intimate knowledge of the potential business dealings of them in a fantastical uh, theme park. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's I, where I'll, here's where I'll, where I'll wedge in what I was going to say okay. earlier. If the timeline theory comes to pass, I almost think I think that Logan is the man in black more than William. There have been people saying that. And this episode seemed to really further that thought for me. And I don't I don't know. I like the idea that the man in black is either one of these guys. I could see it going either way. I like the idea that he was once really mystified by it. That William, you know, the kind of starry-eyed kid comes in and, and he becomes very cynical. But Logan feels like he is way more in line with the man in black than... Especially because William really seems to genuinely have this... The Man in Black shows zero affection towards Dolores ever. Not nothing. Not even like a. He treats her like an like almost like an, a kind of old, like the way he jokingly calls her a friend and that kind of thing. It just he he's showing a lot of shades of Logan, and I never thought of it before. And so now I don't know if it's so obvious because they're both black suit wearing guys that I was supposed to think that, but I didn't. I don't know. But there's a lot in this episode that really feels like that Logan was probably. Yeah, if he's either either of them, that's how it feels to me. There's no like clear. (laughs) I like the argument that people are putting forth of like, yeah, people get old, but nothing turns you into Ed Harris, (laughs) which is I think is a wonderful point to make, but it's irrelevant because we're talking about a TV show. Nothing turns you into Ed Harris. (laughs) Yeah, if you're lucky, you turn into Ed Harris. (laughs) Exactly. If you won the genetic, if you were Gattaca, (laughs) then you turn into Ed Harris. (laughs) But um. Uh, I think most people are latching on to the idea of that character, the character arc of being William and going to the man in black. They think that's more satisfying and therefore that's what they're supposing at the moment. They think that would be more satisfying, but I think at the, the moment, I think Logan makes more sense that I, and I, I think, I think, I think it makes more sense, but it also does not give us a beautiful character arc necessarily. We don't know yet. Cause we don't know the man in blacks ends. That's true. But I, I th- I, that's true. I don't think I need a character arc from the Man in Black. I kind of said that way early on in our show that I was like, I don't necessarily need him to be humanized, and I don't need a, I don't need to, to feel sympathetic towards him. Necessarily. And maybe not. But I also feel like we've kind of gotten a little bit of that. He's clearly got this foundation that helps people, and on the outside, he's this well-respected man. And I don't know. I don't and and the way that he remarks that it's his vacation, I feel like it's the only time that he gets to be horrible. <laughs> like he never I, I feel like he doesn't necessarily treat people terribly in the Kinda real like world. Logan, though. William Kinda, does say Yeah, how come you turn it yeah, that's true. That's true. You're right. So it it could go either way. I don't I know. It's cool. Anyway, yeah, totally. moving on. Um uh William turns to look at Dolores, but it turns out that she ran off to go see a fortune teller with tarot cards. She flips over a card that has the sign with the maze on it, and creepy. she sits. What creepy? Yes, very creepy. Uh, she sits across the table from a clone of herself, and they kind of talk. And then she pulls at this thread in her wrist and starts to unravel, quote unquote. Um, I'll note some people thought that maybe that meant that she was like maybe that's her flashing back to the past when she was a mechanical being, right? Yeah, and and actually literally unravel unraveling, but. Who knows? Yeah, they. Did. I mean, Stubbs does say she's been put back together and repaired and fixed up and worked on so many times. Yeah, she could have been upgraded. Who knows? Totally. Maybe she's kind of a hybrid of both. Yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, and that's that's why I brought up that point about Wild or Old Bill yeah. in terms of like 
is his herky jerkiness and and all the noises he makes due to a like kind of being in disrepair or not being maintained properly because yeah. we haven't heard any of that out of any of the people in logan williams potential timeline yeah. time frame um so then we see dolores run away she notes that lawrence is stealing the nitro and pumping it into cadavers and replacing that with tequila uh, Dolores tells this to William. He talks about the park's mission or sick game to strip them down to something raw. And Dolores tells William that this is real and there's a voice inside of her telling her what to do and that she needs him. They make out, which seems crazy because William was so steadfast against any kind of physical affection. Um, <clears throat> and then we see a bunch of men outside tossing around one of the bottles of quote unquote nitro, but it falls to the ground and does not explode and then logan starts getting beaten to the hell. jig is up yeah the jig is definitely up um so then we get to the point where uh william and dolores are running out and they see logan uh and being kind of attacked and logan says help me but william and dolores decide to go on and then we cut back to william or uh logan looking at them and he just kind of he flashes a quick smile as as they run off of like a good for you for doing your thing you've been seduced and you've been yeah yeah they finally got you he's under the spell yeah and he knows he'll be fine yeah exactly Um, so we think yeah uh dolores and william get cornered by the captain of the confederalos william manages to kill one of them but then dolores kills the the rest of them and says uh william's kind of like where did that come from Dolores says, you said people come here to change the story of their lives. I imagined a story where I didn't have to be the damsel. It's pretty cool. I thought it was cool. I felt that was a little on the nose line wise, but you know, she's learning. It was a cool. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then William and Dolores hop onto the train out of town and find Lawrence on there with his cadavers. Dolores notes that the coffin has a sign of uh, the maze on it. Did you notice here that and I meant to get screenshots of this, but she goes to look at the maze thing and we see her come to the other side of the coffin facing the back entrance that they came in. And then on, but potentially in front of her when she's there, we've got William and Lawrence there, but then it cuts to that reverse shot where they should be behind her and they're gone. I didn't, I'll have to show it to you because and then that's when she says, I'm coming, supposedly to the man that told her to find Oh, him. yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. That seems like there's timey-wimey stuff going on. Maybe. Yeah. Um, ah. Uh, yeah, I'll show it to you very briefly. No, I know what you're that. saying. No, yeah, I did notice that, and I thought they like walked away or it was bad blocking or something, but oh, man. Okay. It seemed very intentional yep. to me. All right. <laughs> yep. Uh, the man, in, we, then we see the man in black walk into a bar for some whiskey with Teddy. Uh, there's a, there's some hands playing Claire de Lune, I believe on the piano or some kind remember. of, yeah. Purely, I don't know. One of the, one of those fancy piano songs. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we notice that it's Ford standing up and walking over to the table. Uh, we get some good conversations here. Ford notes that man, the man in black manipulated Teddy with the Dolores line that I talked about earlier. Yep. Uh, we very clearly see that the man in black knows Ford and had known him before. No, at least knows that he's the founder of the park. Uh, seems like they've had some interaction before, potentially. Oh, yeah. 
Um, the Man in Black notes that he felt the place was missing a real villain, and that's why he kind of uh, acts the way that he does in the place. But then Ford notes that his urgency be- betrays the anxiety in the Man in Black. Which is kind of... That's another thing people are thinking the William is the man in black kind of thing of like the anxiousness that Ford senses beneath the man in black is maybe something that you would see more in a William than you would in a Logan. But again, just postulation. Um, the man in black notes that Wyatt is new. So we kind of, we got that impression anyway because of yeah. Ford's working on it, but just that the man in black thinks so as well. Uh, the Man in Black suggests Ford isn't the real creator, but Arnold is. Uh, kind of falls in line with your theory again of Arnold being more talented of the two. Uh, the Man in Black threatens Ford with a knife, and then Teddy stops him despite being almost dead. And then uh, Ford kind of denies the fact that the Man in Black's like, are, are you trying to slow me down? He says, nope, quite the contrary. He looks at the knife and hands it back to him. Uh, which I've seen people note is like, he seems like he's reacting to it like he knows it or has seen it before. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily picked up on that. He does look at it like it's special or peculiar, but then he hands it back. I think it might be, I did notice that as well. And he, the man, the way the man in black handles that knife and we've seen him use it so many times that it seems like something that he's probably carried with him into the park or he always picks that one yep. or it's somehow his, I mean, I think that or that I would has say, I would say without a doubt now Stubbs was intentionally pointing out the man in black saying he is someone important who can do whatever he wants. Yeah, it seems like he has nearly unlimited access to the park with how well he knows it, and yeah. that he maybe that's you not the knife you get for prestiging thirty times <laughs> in Westworld, yeah. well gold plated <laughs> MLG Pro, or maybe I, I was thinking maybe the the knife has some history, maybe even yeah, not necessarily with the man in black. Maybe it was old Bill's and he's gonna come get it back <laughs> with any luck. Old Bill is the gunslinger. Oh, I was just about to say it. <laughs> no, he's a hero. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He just wants uh, that drink and have a good time. <laughs> Listen to stories. Uh, Ford says to Teddy, Mr. Flood, we must look back and smile at Peril's past, mustn't we? And then Teddy kind of springs back to life. He's yeah. rejuvenated. Ford knows all the all the cheat codes. Yeah, Ford snaps his fingers and the piano starts playing hyperspeed, essentially. That was hilarious. Very cool. Yeah. Any other notes about this scene? No, it was a cool scene. Yeah, I'm absolutely. excited for the Teddy men in black dynamic. Yes. And then uh, finally we get to the body shop. Uh Felix finally resurrects the bird in actual function, but then the bird goes and lands on Maeve's finger. She's clearly awake. And Maeve says, hello, Felix. It's time for you and I to have a chat. I love that she knows his name before we really do. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> she probably picked it up. Yeah. Just an errand, you know, just listening. And I did want to note that upon my rewatching in uh, the past couple of days that I've been doing, um, I think it's... I th- and they argued about it a little bit in this episode, but I think Felix must have actually put her to sleep because she talks about in that episode when she actually woke up and saw everything, she talks to Clementine about how when she has nightmares, she counts to three and it wakes her up. Mm-hmm. And we see her flashing back to the man in black coming to kill her. Yeah. And she does the one, two, three and wakes up on the table in the body shop. So I think she has the ability to wake herself up. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and that explains this kind of interaction here. So 
Overall. Well, it's almost like the phenomenon of when you're dreaming, but you know you're dreaming. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And the other thing I wanted to say to the effect of talking about William being more in line to be the man in life because of the anxiety. Yeah. I think that the other side of the coin could be easily possible as well where logan has a deep and underlying anxiety and security and his his bravado That's why his, yep yeah and his is just a defense mechanism sort of or a absolutely way of, i can't wait to see how it pans out <laughs> i i hope this theory is true now i mean i hope i, I love the idea of witnessing two different i don't the know the idea that the idea that not only are we watching two timelines separated by potentially 30 years but the fact that these events are that history is repeating itself i think is really cool yeah that's true that's all i've always found that compelling the history repeating itself kind of trope but great yeah great week it it was very good um i don't know what i want i don't know if i want it to be true or not i almost want i i think i at this point i would be happier with knowing that they were seeding these in they incepted these into us (laughs) I'll be satisfied. I think no matter what the outcome is, I'm just enjoying. I'm enjoying the ride. Yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying not trying too hard to deconstruct anything. I just. I, I think I like, I'm gonna try and step it back now. I like being surprised. I think I want to start to look at it a little bit less because I feel like I fell down the, the rabbit hole last week and it just hurt the whole time. <laughs> it's uh, like see, you never know. <sighs> you can only investigate so far before you're gonna set yourself up for disappointment or, yep. or ruin the experience for yourself. Absolutely. Uh, once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on Westworld.fm. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music. We're on TuneIn Radio. We're also on Satchel Players, so please check us out in all those places. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can email us at WestworldFM at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and your, your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. Uh, I wanted to note, iTunes does have a Westworld uh, for Westworld fans collection, but we are not a part of it, and I would really love to have us be a part of it. So please tweet at iTunes Podcasts and let them know that you want Westworld FM in that collection, and hopefully they'll listen to the fans. Um, and then MidwestPodcastNetwork.com has all of our other shows on the network, so please go there to check them out. And that's it for this week. Uh, we're excited for the next episode, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber.